Welcome to Confessions of an Obese Child. This is a podcast that deals with early childhood trauma, disordered eating, binge eating, and more. We discuss self-loathing, triggering to binge eating, and then many post-weight loss topics like survivor's guilt, the body positive movement, and more. And we interview formerly overweight children as well. So please join us for another episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Hello, everybody. I hope you're doing well today. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Today, I'm going to talk about, now that we're entering summer, though summer doesn't start for three more weeks, but you catch my drift. Uh, talk about my my relationship with God as a child. I really enjoy this time of the year. Normally, the last two, maybe it was two summers around this time, I'd go up north because I live in Texas and uh, I have family in Vermont and I love being in New England or Washington State. Up at those, you know, 40, 45, 49 degree latitudes uh, during this time of the year because just the, everything's blossoming, like the hydrangeas are blossoming and the highs are maybe around 80 and there's like a certain smell in the air that we just don't have down here in Texas. And the, and the sun's up till 930 or so and it's just, I really love summers up north and like a lot of people you know ideally i would like to have a place up north in the summer when it gets way too hot down here and then in the winter come back down to texas because you know really if you, if you take away three months just the summer months here in texas we have excellent weather from about october to may we really do we have very good weather and this is why you see so many people in the last 50 years moving from the rust belt uh, the Ohio River Valley, that whole area, mid-Atlantic states, down to the south. Because back then, we didn't have that mobility. People kind of stayed in this, the same, their same house, their same life, their same town forever. Kind of like that HBO show, Mayor of Eastwood, of Easttown, which is a really good show. But kind of like that kind of world. But now people move. And so people, when they can move, they're going to move to places that have warmer weather. And certainly older people do as well. So I wanted to talk about faith because as you guys know, faith is important to me. I talk about it quite a bit at the other channel. And why why do I have a, like a prayer life and did it start, when did it start and so forth? And I would say, you know, when, when you were a child and you're just getting bullied and, and harassed day in, day out, you know, you don't, you don't really see a lot of hope. And I think it was just natural for me to turn to faith. My father, I mentioned this in the episode, I don't know, episode 12, about my relationship with my father. He was a Catholic, and he taught me a lot about the, the Catholic faith and the papal history and the infiltration by the, Mason, the Masonics and the Freemasons and, and the socialists of the church back in the, in the, really starting in the 30s. You can see this documented by Bella Dodd, the house on un-American activities back in the 50s, HUAC, uh, Joseph McCarthy is probably most famous for HUAC. She testified, and she was a member of the U.S. Communist Party, and she testified, uh, among other things. She was mostly there to talk about like teacher union infiltration, which surprisingly, if you see now, borne out, yeah, they're extremely left. But she she was a Catholic, and she was on record saying that, that the Communist Party was infiltrating the seminaries back in the 30s. And uh, you could certainly, some could say you could see it borne out in the 1960s of the Vatican Council too. But 
he had taught me that because he had grown up in Mexico during the Cristero Revolution. That's when the, the Freemasonic presidents of Mexico in the 1920s, Obregón and Calles, they, and a lot of people don't know this, they banned uh, public masses. They confiscated all church property. And, and they, they persecuted the church. And certain parts of Mexico rebelled. They just rebelled, like, no, this is our faith. And there was a big revolution that went on for three years. And eventually the government won because they had better weapons, but the government realized that they couldn't openly persecute the church. So my father kind of grew up, or his father grew up in that milieu. So either way, my father used to take me to adoration. Adoration is when you, uh, it's hard to explain if you're not Catholic. So we believe in that the host is the true body and blood of Christ. And so... What they'll do in some side chapels is put the host in a monstrance, which is a big golden halo. And uh, you can go and pray and, and meditate on Christ because we believe that's actually Christ. And if you go to John 6, John 6 talks about the bread of life discourse. And so he would take me there at 3 in the morning because his time would be at 3 in the morning. And so, um, and I, there really weren't, I, I never lapsed in my faith. And I think certainly being fat, and then certainly losing the weight later, when I was 17, I felt like God had intervened, because I kind of knew, we talked about this in the episode, maybe around 2025, on survivor's guilt, how, why did God pick me, like, why did I lose the weight, and not other obese kids, many of which, that were at my age at the time, are dead, they just dead or they're massively overweight or they died of suicide like why did he pick me and so I, I grappled with this quite a bit after I lost my way in high school and in college but I felt indebted to him and that's not that's not why I have a, a fervent faith it's just kind of like the story I think it's in Luke Mark or Luke I think it's Luke of the 10 lepers that Christ heals and he heals them from a distance but only one comes and thanks him it says, Christ, thank you for curing me. And he's like, but I cured 10 of you. Where are the other nine? And I just didn't want to be the other nine. Right? So I wanted to be in gratitude to Christ. Now, you could say I lost the weight because I worked hard or, you know, that and so forth. And, but I believe that there was some supernatural intervention on one level or another. And so throughout high school and college, during the rebellion years, I never rebelled. I never rebelled. Uh, I always went to church. I went to a Catholic school, but it was Catholic university, but it was pretty liberal, like all Catholic universities are, essentially. I mean, there's like Ave Maria. There's like two or three that are actual, still traditional. But Georgetown, Notre Dame, uh, Catholic university are extremely liberal. I mean, we would go to, I remember going to masses at my church, and they would have people come out and do an interpretive dance during the Our Father. I mean, it was very lefty, very ex experimental, Novus Ordo Mass. But even then, no, I didn't. I didn't sway. I always went uh, to mass, and I did. I was involved in campus ministries. So I was involved in doing like um, Catholic uh, service activities. And later, when I moved to Alaska, I have that episode when I lived in Alaska. I went to mass too. I, I there was never a period in my life that I didn't go to mass. And there's been periods in my life where I would go to daily mass. And then about uh, Fifteen years ago, well, about yeah, about thirteen years ago, I started learning the the rosary in Latin, which is the a sacred language. The sacred language or, 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 or uh, 
Aramaic, Greek, and Latin, because those are the languages that the Bible is written in or they were uttered in, in the, that time. So there is a belief that those languages, the mass, the mass in your prayers are more efficacious than in English or, or in the uh, vernacular. And look, I mean, St. James talks about in James, I think, 5, right, that the prayers of the righteous are more powerful. So it makes sense that the language of the righteous are more powerful. So when you're asking somebody to pray for you, which I know even you Protestants will do, pick somebody who's who who you feel is in a state of grace, who's holy, that's not living a uh, worldly, fornicating life, because their prayers actually are, are more powerful. St. James even says in the Bible. So I learned the rosary in Latin because I wanted to learn it in Latin. I love the rosary. The rosary is just a meditation on the mysteries of Christ. That's all it is. It's not something that Catholics have to do or believe in, but it's just something that's been around. We've been doing it for 800 years. And it just bonds me to the saints, bonds me to people that have said the rosary in Latin in the past, throughout the centuries. And um, then my father died around 2008, 2009, and that uh, it didn't really test my faith. I, I don't think anything can really test my faith. I mean, I, I think that I will die a martyr. I'll be perfectly fine with that. You know, if you look at the tea leaves of what's going on in the country, I mean, I would say that this is the worst time it's ever been in Christian history since the uh, time of the persecution like Diocletian right before Constantine legalized Catholicism because the Catholic faith was the only faith the only Christian faith for the first thousand years of church history but we're in it we're in a bleak time and I'd be totally fine with martyring myself I mean there's I mean you read the you read the gospels it's pretty clear there's nothing worse you can do than forsake your faith and those who try to, you know, keep their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for him will keep him. I mean, there's tons of those. Look at the Beatitudes. All these places are blessed are the persecuted. So if you martyr your your faith, you martyr your life for Christ, you go to heaven automatically. I mean, regardless of the sins that, that you might still have attached. So I'm okay if uh, I would gladly give up my life for Christ if 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 I have to, because this this time on earth is just a blink. Eternity is forever. And works are important. Look, the church and Christ talks about the works of mercy. Like we think that this is definitely a Protestant view. Salvation by faith alone leads to uh, heaven. But no, that's solo fide. No, I mean, if you look in the Gospels, Christ is very clear. The rich man comes and what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? He doesn't say just follow me. He says give up everything that you have. When they ask him, how can you condense the Mosaic law into to short things? He says, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your love God with all your heart, all your whole soul. Right? He says, love your neighbor as yourself. That means works of charity. Uh, the biggest one is when he separates the uh, the wheat from the weeds, when he separates the, the, the sheep. Right? What does he say when he's judging the people? They're like, Christ, Christ, what did we do? What did we do wrong? And he didn't say, you're going to hell because uh, you didn't believe in me. He says, you're going to hell because you didn't, what? Feed the poor. Visit the imprisoned. Give thirst to the thirsty. Those are works. Those are works. And what does he say to those who are going to heaven? You did feed the poor. You did visit the sick. Da, 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 da. So there is works. St. James says, faith without works is dead. And this was the same book uh, that Martin Luther wanted to get, get out of the Bible because it undermined his salvation by faith alone. But either way, so... I'm okay with that. My faith's important. I'm never going to forsake it. I'm never going to go to another, quote, denomination. 
even though Catholicism is in a denomination, the universal church, it's apostolic, it was founded by Jesus Christ. I'm never going to leave it. I'm never going to leave it. And times are coming that are hard, man. Suffering's coming. All life is suffering. Eventually. People die. You get hurt. You lose your children. So I think life is a lot easier when you have a, a belief in Christ, that Christ is going to get you through it. And the idea of redemptive suffering, that we offer our suffering up to Christ and bring us closer to the suffering that Christ did so we can go to heaven. And I think as an atheist, it'd be much harder to go through life without a belief like what is the meaning of life? You know, why do we suffer? Oh, God hates us. No, God, God doesn't hate us. Sometimes suffering is allowed because he has a plan that we don't understand. And from that suffering, something is born out of that. But we can't understand it. It's like a four-year-old getting a vaccine. He doesn't understand why he's getting the vaccine. All he understands is that it's a sharp needle. But the parents understand why he needs it. It's kind of the same thing. So guys, in closing, I would recommend that you you turn back to Christ. I know some of you, oh, the church is corrupt. Well, the church is corrupt because it's full of people. You don't stop going to doctors because you had one bad doctor. Or you stopped watching cable because you had one guy, one bad guy who installed your cable. It took two weeks. Or you, had a, you ate a bad burger, so you never eat burgers again. We're fallen creatures. Oh, they, they, they tithe too much. I don't want to give money. Well, you don't have to give money if you don't want to. These are all excuses. Just do basic prayers. Just basic personal prayers. You can do the Our Father, which is the prayer that Jesus told us to pray to, our, to God. But just do a basic prayer. Just do a basic prayer. God, thank you. I, I'm, I'm not God. I am not the creator. I am the created. God does exist, and I am not him. So just... Praises, prayers of thanksgiving and praise. You can pray for petition, of course. Ask for things. But again, you ask for Ferrari. God God wants us to ask for prayers. Knock and the door shall, the door shall be opened. Seek and you shall find and pray. You know, ask. It doesn't mean he's going to abide by it. He's not going to give it to you. Because the ultimate goal is to align our will with the will of God. That is the ultimate goal. Is to align our wills. So that's what we need to do. But I would recommend you guys, and don't, don't come back to God because you're worried about going to hell. That's what we call an imperfect contrition. You should go back to God because you love God. And God's good. He's all good. All knowing. He gave us free will, which lots of times we misuse, and this leads to suffering. But he gave us free will. He loved us so much that he made his son a human, a fallen creature. Not an angel. So love God. Come back to God if you loved him. Turn to the good book. It will enrich your life, and it will give your life meaning. Guys, if you appreciate my content, please post an honest review right now. It'll take you four seconds if you have an Apple product. There's two links in the episode notes. One's for PayPal if you want to donate a couple of bucks to defray the cost of hosting this, this episode, the server that we use. And there's a link for Naturopathic Earth, the website. Until next time, take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. If you'd like to reach us, find us at our Facebook page, Naturopathic Earth Radio and Holistic Health News. Until next time, take care.